Welcome back, faithful listener, and thank you for the break. I needed to take some time off from October till now to recuperate and kind of reassess the direction of the show, and I'm grateful to be back in this uh, seat and behind the mic. Our first guest for this new season is Vanessa Hallam. You might remember her from the first season. Uh, Today, she's going to be sharing about how her personal journey with travel has really opened up her life experience, uh, and I think that you're really going to enjoy it. I'm really grateful to be bringing you this show during um, some difficult and weird times because I think that this is needed now more than ever, and the new format is kind of in the uh, vein of the hero's journey, uh, which is all about personal development, transformation, uh, and all that comes through facing challenges, right? So with that, I'm going to shut up, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you. Welcome. We have Vanessa Hallam with us today. Vanessa, what's up? What's up? I'm chilling with my cat. Oh, what, what's your cat's name? Her name is Evie. Or, uh, I'm sorry, her name is Eva, but I call her Evie. Okay. Yeah, I don't know it, why. She pushed, <laughs> her way in, she pushed her way into the room. I had the door shut. She pushed it open so she could be in here for the interview. She wants to get her 15 seconds of fame. yes so um the very first question that i have might be somewhat challenging but i'm curious to your response the first part obviously should be easy who are you so we'll go with that first who are you like what are you about (laughs) that's an easy question uh all right well i go by the name vanessa and that's my birth name and um i am I don't know. I'm a person that's passionate about a lot of things and um, I tend to be a fairly optimistic person. And I guess I'm just going to use adjectives because I don't really know how else to describe myself other than just a being of like electricity and um, yeah, whatever the fuck else is going on there. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like traveling and I've ended up in a lot of new places in my life and um, I'm a mechanical engineer by profession. And, um, but I also have a passion for spirituality and um, just the whole realm that that kind of world brought into my life. I'm very passionate about as well. So Hmm. I don't know, I guess um, that's one way to describe me. There's a lot more to it though. I'm sure we'll uncover more of it as we go through all of this. My next question might be less challenging or not. I don't know. I'm not a good uh, judge of this. If you had to sum up your life in the title of a book, what would it be? Um, It would be... (laughs) The Adventures of Vanessa, I guess. (laughs) Okay. But but with, I guess, at the end. (laughs) With, I guess, at the end of the book title. <laughs> very, That's very cool. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do this interview in the style of the hero's journey. And I, I, we had kind of talked before, and you're not necessarily entirely familiar with it. But we're going to go through the stages of it, right? So the first stage of the hero's journey is the ordinary world. So looking back on your life, what was like your your normal life like? before kind of who you are today? Yeah. Um, I think that my, I think that growing up, I had a pretty normal life. Uh, I was fortunate that my parents were together um, until I got to high school. And then like any other normal kid, they got divorced. And then um, I started just hanging out with my friends more and I don't know. I had a pretty normal, happy childhood. And then, um, and then I went to college and then I found a job and I'd say up until that point, pretty normal. Okay. So I have a couple other questions about that period of time in your life. 
So what were some of your external issues that you were suffering? It sounds like the parents divorcing would be one of them, but what else was kind of going on? Like what were Vanessa's problems externally? Um, I, one of my problems, like especially through college, and I think that it, um, I don't know how much of an effect it had on my behavior or not, but like, for some reason I always wanted like to have a boyfriend to have like that serious relationship that like passionate relationship that like everyone seemed to have everyone else seemed to have like figured it out and like I always wanted that and so I think um yeah I think that that oftentimes I would like settle or not find the right person or justify things in my head that, um, yeah. So, so that was, that was something that like, I think continued into my uh, adulthood even after like kind of what I told you about, but, um, like, yeah, that was one of the big external struggles is just like wanting this like ideal, perfect like relationship that, uh, I could never find. Um, and then, um, yeah, uh, that, I think that was probably one of the biggest things. Okay. How yeah. about internal issues? What was like one of your biggest internal problems that you dealt with? Um, I think before before I got to college, I kind of struggled with being like a little bit insecure. Uh, I, I say insecure a little bit, but I think what it really was was that I never really felt like I, like I, I didn't know who the hell I was and maybe that's just having to do with being a kid. Um, but it wasn't until I got to college and I got out of the nest and I got away from my sister who I love, but she was pretty mean uh, as a kid. And so, I had a lot of insecurities and I had um, a lot of rejection from like her and her friends. And I just, I, you know, I had my own group of friends, obviously, but uh, it was not, it wasn't, it wasn't me. Like I didn't know who to be. I felt like I was like this weird kid. And then I go out into the world and get away from like my hometown and I'm like, wait a second, maybe I'm not like so fucking weird. Maybe people do actually like me and I'm not just going to get rejected by like, like I just, I just decided to like turn the switch off and go be whoever the fuck I wanted to be. Like, I'm, I'm not going to like let any boundary hold me back from who I want to be. And that was something that, um, yeah, that was something that uh, changed once I got to college, and it was a very well-needed change, something that I wasn't even going to do. I wasn't even going to leave for college. I was going to go to community college, and my cousin talked me out of it, which I'm very grateful that she did because it might have been one of the biggest decisions that, like, changed everything. It's super interesting that you kind of mentioned um... – the people around you almost reinforcing your, your personality in some way. Like you didn't say it in those yeah. words, but that's been kind of my experience too. As somebody who traveled a lot in my twenties, I don't think a lot of people recognize how much the people that they're in contact with on a daily basis actually reinforce their uh, sense of self. And if you're in an unhealthy environment, even unintentionally, um, it can really limit your potential for growth until you get enough space away to actually ask yourself deeper questions about who you are and to actually yeah. uh, integrate different knowledge. So it's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. It is something I noticed for sure. One of the other things that I want to ask you about the ordinary world before we move on from this part of your life is <laughs> what was like one of your biggest philosophical issues at that time? Oh, Well, I, I mean, I will constantly, um, once I, like, when I was in college and I, um, 
kind of got out of this, like, cause I grew up in a Christian household. Right. Um, and I struggled with this concept of God, uh, by the way, Orthodox Christian, so not Catholic Christian. Um, and when I was in college, I was like, I didn't want to learn about astrology. I didn't want to learn anything about space or any of that shit because, you know, in the Christian world, it's like, or like just growing up as a Christian, it made me question God. It made me like, I don't understand how both of those two things can be true. And so I didn't want to learn anything about like space or astrology or anything like that. So um, I think that was a philosophical thing that I struggled with um, for many years. And, And even at some point I was like, questioning whether or not I was atheist. Yeah. It's interesting. I think a lot of people have that whole concept of what the F is out there. They like, they ponder that around that time period. It's funny for me to hear your perspective um, because I was the exact opposite. Like I was into like all of this weird stuff, but I didn't really have religion. And as I've gotten older, I, I wouldn't say that I have religion, but I have a more, uh, a larger concept of of God or spirituality specifically mm-hmm. because of the choices I've made. So it's right. interesting to see kind of the uh, unification of two different perspectives, like on the different end of the spectrum. Well, well, to clarify, like that, that phase, I guess, uh, sprung up from having a lack of understanding of what God really is and who God really is or who or what or how, right? Or what it feels like to have God. Uh, it was a lack of there. It was a lack thereof completely. Um, and even though I was going to church every day, I never wanted to go to church. <laughs> like, I didn't <laughs> like going to church. And we had our, you know, Christian rituals and, uh, you know, our ceremonies and our, um, not cer- I, I make it sound like a cult no, which, you know, um, but we had like these holidays and events and stuff. And I just, I don't think I ever really understood like what God was. And it wasn't until, um, actually like when you and I started becoming friends that, um, and, actually through the positive head podcast, in fact, um, where I started kind of realizing like, this is what God feels like. This is what it really feels like. This isn't, it's not just some, like you do these things and it's, it's like, you can actually feel it, which I never knew could happen. Mm -hmm. I, um, I I think it's interesting how you kind of brought up, concept of not like feeling it or being in contact with it. Cause again, for me, like that was one of the big issues I had is being sold that prepackaged concept of, of like a yeah. religion or what it should be like or anything like that. And then as I began to go through my own process, understanding there's good orderly direction and there is a feeling to it. And when you're in that feeling of kind of feeling alive and vibrant, like that's when you're in tune with it in a real way. I think that that was uh, super cool that you brought that up. I also like, yeah. One of the things I want to say is personally, like all religions are ceremonies and, and like rituals and stuff. And it's sure, yeah. it packaged in a different way. And it's funny how people in those specific religions can demonize other other belief structures doing it, but it's all heavily symbolic <laughs> thinking. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it is, it, it's extremely interesting, isn't it? And I actually, there's one of the things um, that I liked about what what I do know about Buddhism is like, they're not so judgmental. It's like, this is like, we believe the words of the Buddha and we believe in this philosophy, but we also believe that there are so many other religions who are after the same goal. Mm-hmm. It's like recognizing that. And so, yeah, I, I noticed the Buddha that you have up there in the back. And it made me think about, yeah, Buddhism a little bit. That's definitely something. The philosophy of Buddhism has been incredibly helpful on my personal path. I like it because Alan Watts said it doesn't like supersede any other belief. It just is its own personal philosophy. It's incredibly Mm -hmm. helpful. Um, My next question to you, now that we've kind of talked about the ordinary world, 
what was the first time that you felt a call to transition to something different? Mm. I guess, uh, I guess it would have been when I went to a big university instead of, uh, instead of a community college. Um, but I think it was just like a spur of the moment thing. Um, I was living in Dallas after I graduated college and I was working a good job and, um, I went on a, it's actually a bachelorette weekend. I went to Florida and we went to the beach and I was like, dude, I have to fucking move to Florida. Like this place is amazing and it's beautiful and the sun is so warm and I love everything about it. And, um, so it took me like a year to find a job, but I found a job in Florida finally. And I moved with, uh, my boyfriend at the time, his name was Troy. And so, um, yeah, I think that was kind of like a call to like change it up. It was something that took me a while to achieve, but, um, eventually I did. And yeah, I've kind of been like, I don't know, I guess on the move a lot since college, since I left the first time from the nest and I've just constantly been, I've been moving around a lot. Hmm. Yeah. So sometimes in the hero's journey, there's what's also called the refusal of the call where you have this call to adventure and you actually kind of avoid it or ignore it because you're not particularly ready yet. Do you have a moment in your own story that was kind of like that where you second guessed yourself or didn't feel like you were ready to take that leap? Hmm. I... I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't really feel like I have any memories of second guessing myself to be completely honest with you. Um, because asking that kind of question means that I have to go look in hindsight and uh, okay. Yes. I actually just thought of what it is and it was a big one too. Um, so after I got to Florida, it had been a couple years. My boyfriend and I broke up because it was oh so perfect of a relationship. Like I had always looked for, we broke up. Um, and I moved into this little tiny, it was like basically like a bedroom size apartment right next to my best friend in Florida. And my life at that time was so much fun. I was really, really enjoying like just being single and my life there in Florida. But there was also this like really, really strong call to go travel. And that desire to travel, I think, started um, from a friend who I met in college who had inspired me to travel. Um, you know, moving to Florida was like that first little baby step for me. And, um, I really wanted to go travel the world and quit my job and like, go do this big like thing. Um, because I heard so many cool stories about like, oh, I went and I found myself or I went and, um, you know, things just started playing out in the most perfect way. And like, I was offered a job and like all these, like, cool little playouts they were in Australia or just some cool elaborate story that sounds like a backpackers like heaven you know and I wanted to do that but I was like scared and I was second guessing myself because I was like I love my life here in Florida like why would I leave like I'm too scared to leave because I'm just enjoying this so much and I don't want to go and I kept not going because um, I was scared of not having enough money. I was scared of what was going to happen. Um, so I didn't go at that time. It took me um, a whole nother event that, that got my ass out the door to go do what I wanted to do. But um, yeah, so I, I just, 
I was too scared to go. Understandable. Uh, completely changing your life and leaving all of the comfort of your of your newfound home or any stability that you bought is uh, definitely something that can be challenging. As somebody who moved <laughs> around a lot, I can identify with that on a, on a deep level. Yeah. Um, the next phase of this is what's called meeting meeting the mentor. So who kind of helped you in this, like overcome some of those fears or what helped you overcome some of those fears? Okay, I'm gonna. Can I put you on hold for one, just one second? So, um, I guess I could call it a, a who <laughs> or, or an event. Uh, I don't know how to, I guess. So the thing that helped me get over these fears. So as I said, I was having like a really great time living in Florida with my friend and we were just having the best time. I loved my life and I was so happy. And then, um, then of course, lo and behold, I met a guy <laughs> and, <laughs> um, the interesting thing about this guy was, was that we had met each other at summer camp 14 years prior and like had a thing, like liked each other. And we were kids. We were like 13 or 12 or something like that. And we had liked each other at summer camp. And then we met in Florida. Dude, we met at summer camp in Chicago. I was from Texas. He was from Michigan. And then we meet up in Florida 14 years later. It was just, it was the most astonishing thing that like had ever happened in my life. And it felt mm. like there, there was something so real about it. Something that felt so like I was so sure about something like this is the direction I want to go. This is like, and I was always like telling him how I always want to go travel and all this stuff. And obviously he had his life. He was a lot more closed minded, which I ended up learning down the line. Um, and Somehow when I met him, it was like everything with him felt right. Like I was supposed to do that. But everything, everything else in my life was kind of turning to shit, at least in my home life. Like my landlord raised my rent um, without fixing anything in my apartment. My AC broke. I was out without AC for two weeks in Florida. And, um, like my home just started falling apart. Like I felt like I just, I didn't want to be home ever because it was just unpleasant. And um, yeah, I felt like everything at home was turning out. to shit. Oh, okay. What did you miss? I can't tell if it's my headphones or if it's on your end. No, no. Oh, I heard you there. Okay. So anyway, um, so after three months of dating, me and this guy decided to move in together and that went to shit real fast. It just went straight downhill from that point. Um, and I, I got to see his real colors and I got to a point where I hated my life. Like I went from loving it so much to meeting this guy who I thought was going to be the one, you know, and I, I've never like disliked someone so much in my life as I did with him. <laughs> Sorry for laughing. It's okay. Like there are, are very, very, very few people that I dislike. He's one of them. Um, and that was, that was kind of the thing that, and then, and then my grandma died. Right. And it happened to be on his birthday and he was very unsympathetic and, um, it kind of just like put me over the top at some point 
after nine months, I think total of dating. But it gave me a chance to like save up a bunch of money because I moved in with him and my rent was cheap. And then Donald Trump lowered all the taxes and I just like um, was able to save up a bunch of money. On, on top of it, my grandma died and she left me a little bit of money. And all these cards just a lot, like all these cards just were laid out for me. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> the reason I didn't go before was because I loved my life too much. And now I fucking hate living with this monster and I want to get out. Now's my chance. And mm-hmm. so I, um, that's what I did. I, I quit my job and I moved out and, and went to London. So one of the cool things about that is, um, in my personal experience and also having studied like alchemy in a traditional sense, there's what's called putrefication in alchemy. And it's actually part of the process of transitioning something from, I mean, if you look at it in a very uh, literal sense, it talks about base metal to gold. The philosophical sense is turning shit into something meaningful and purposeful, which is kind of like what you did. But putrefication is obviously the decay of the situation. So like I've found that in my experience, it sounds like you had it in your experience and it's a big catalyst for a lot of people. So it's cool to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my next question for you, cause this moves on to the next part of the hero's journey called crossing the first threshold is there a clear moment when you knew your life would never be the same again like was it when you landed in london or was it a little bit after or or what um it was uh it was probably the moment that i quit my job (laughs) that was um that was a big step that was a big thing that I felt like really crazy doing I just felt like I was out of my fucking mind um and my boss was like somehow really supportive of of me and um yeah I I felt like that could have been it but um honestly when I discovered astral projection and this was actually before this was like when I lived in Florida, um, back when I was into the P head podcast. And, um, when I discovered that and, and which ultimately kind of is what led me into kind of my spirituality. That's when I knew that like, I can have this for the rest of my life. And this is like the way this is, this is what I want to have in my life from now on. And that, that, I think that was like a catalyst that like changed the way I look at literally everything. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds really powerful. Um, so after that experience, there's what's called the test enemy, uh, test allies and enemies phase of everything. So who or what has given you some obstacles along the way? Like after you kind of began your whole traveling thing. It sounds like the ex-boyfriend was one of them, obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he was, he was the catalyst. Um, uh, yeah, I don't even like to think about him, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, can you repeat that question again? Okay. So who or what has given you uh, little obstacles along the way? Like after you crossed that threshold, mm-hmm. what were some of the obstacles that you encountered? Um, so money, that was one of the things that, uh, was constantly on my mind, like, because I, I didn't have any more income and I was purely working off of my savings. Like it was constantly on my fucking mind, like every day, every penny that I spent. And it was, um, honestly something that I kind of partly wanted because in my life in Florida, like I had it really easy. I could spend when I wanted, I could get, you know, manicures every three weeks, you know, it was like, I was okay. And then I started suddenly worrying about every single penny that I spent, which was not really something that I was used to. Um, And that was something that 
that changed a lot. That was an obstacle. And that, that obstacle became really, really hard when I started looking for a job here in Germany and I couldn't find one. Um, and I was just stressing out because it was like, I was constantly only getting to spend money and not make any. Um, and that I think was a big obstacle. Another big obstacle was integrating myself out here and learning the language. Um, another obstacle was, okay, so let's talk about a third boyfriend. <laughs> um, my boyfriend now who I am extremely, extremely happy with, which is a lot saying so much, um, considering I've made it this like long in other relationships and I would never consider like marrying a per one of those people. And I actually finally feel like at peace now with this man. And, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't always like that at first. We, we were kind of, we were, we were very different personalities. Um, even though we had the same passion to like travel, we ended up traveling together actually. We had different personalities and different ways of handling conflicts. Um, and he was the way that I feel like it resonates with me a lot is like, he's a lot like water and I'm a lot more like fire when it comes to conflicts. So um, he kind of like lets it roll off of his shoulders and doesn't get overly stressed about it. doesn't hold grudges and I can sometimes be the opposite. And um, yeah, so it was a weird, it was weird when we had conflicts and I was a lot more hot headed. And uh, so we struggled with that a little bit, but um, we knew that we wanted to keep traveling together. So we kept traveling together and we ended up just um, working through our problems and we just ended up figuring it out and working through them really well. And um, yeah, so I think that was a big obstacle and um Another obstacle has just not, not really having been able to find a job. I actually had a job. I, I finally found a job in Germany. Um, and it was right after my dad died, which my dad died was probably the biggest obstacle in my entire life. Um, and that was just a few months ago. But um, I got a job offer like right after he died. It was the weirdest thing. I had been looking for months, 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 and then he's gone, and I didn't even get a chance to talk to him about this, like, interview or whatever. And then I got this job offer, and then coronavirus happened, and then a bunch of crap with the visa happened, and I lost the job. Hmm. Now I don't have that job anymore, and, you know, six, five months went by where I wasn't looking, so now here I am again, like with the same struggle of not really having the right opportunity come up, I guess. Mm -hmm. Nothing's really happened there. So it's something I'm getting better at dealing with. Honestly, I'm sort of just shrugging now when something fucking happens. I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like no surprise there. I mean, that's really all you can do at a certain point, because otherwise you're just wasting energy on stuff that you can't necessarily change for some things. Yeah. Yeah. I can put a certain amount of energy into it and, you know, do the work I need to do to get one. But, um, and with the other job, like I literally did everything I could. And there was nothing I would have done differently um, with the information that I had at the time. So, you know. Mm-hmm. One of the other parts of that was allies. So it sounds like one of the allies that you had would be your current boyfriend now. Like he transitioned from an enemy to an ally. And if you look at a lot of stories, that actually happens um, somewhat often too. So it's interesting to see that play out in your own life, I would mm -hmm. say. Let me ask you this, though. Besides him, who else might have been an ally? Um, I So just to clarify, I would never... Um... I would never have put him in that category of like someone who was an enemy, even though we had struggles, we were after the whole thing. Um, 
because we were traveling together and we were all that each other had and everything was on the line kind of for each other and we so so he was an ally of mine um i think his my dad my dad was an ally for sure he was extremely uh supportive of me and was so excited that i was like traveling the world and he's barely left texas in his life you know he grew up just you know just there on the bay <laughs> and um yeah so i was like traveling kind of i think it was something that he dreamed about doing too but never really knew how or had the money or something and um so he was a big ally um and i think i feel like yannick's mom my boyfriend's mom was also an ally um because she allowed us to like live with her for months um while i was taking german classes i was going to school um i was going to school for german classes i don't know why i said it as two things um yannick was looking for a new job i was also looking for jobs and she allowed us to live with her and i i'm just so grateful that and she's just so great like she's such a great like mother-in-law to have and um yeah so i i think that she was also um an ally yeah and i think i i would say that that's kind of it okay so there's one more thing that I, I think that I uh, will touch on because it actually sounds like your hero's journey isn't actually all the way finished yet. And it's not a bad thing. We'll just have to come back and revisit this in a little bit um, in, in a couple of months or something when it sorts itself out or whenever it does. So the next one is the approach. So it, the, the approach is kind of asking you, when have you had to pull back and reevaluate or kind of rethink some of your strategy or approach to getting the life that you want or the results that you want? Um, um, maybe, maybe it was like, if it's there, I think maybe it was somewhat recently, honestly. Um, when I when I found out, when I got the news that I lost that job, like, oh, and also it was kind of too when my dad died, like I, I sort of stopped giving so much of his shit about like what certain people think and um, just having more confidence in my own decisions. And, um, but, but when I lost that job, I panicked at first because I'm human and I was like, oh my God, I have to go back to the U S now. Like all my stuff is being shipped here, dude. I, I haven't even gone to a little bit of detail about like, or maybe a little bit of detail about like all the different complex or, um, complicated situations that I've encountered throughout this last year. And I've been done traveling for a year, dude. <laughs> I've just been in Germany. And, um, but after I lost that job and I panicked and I meditated and I had a few times to sleep and wake up and sleep and wake up. And finally I kind of was like, you know what? something's going to happen. <laughs> like, like, it's just, like I said, I'm just like shrugging at this point. Like, you know, I, I can't freak out. Like I just, I just have to get comfortable here and trust that it's going to work out, you know, which is, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm still kind of like, I'm getting better at handling um, those moments of panic, those moments of disappointment and, um, because I feel like my life for a while now has just been a constant like series of disappointments and, um, not that I'm in a bad place even, it's just, I'm getting better, like 
just just not being as pissed off for so long like it just it just <laughs> kind of goes away faster and i think that this leads us to where i feel that you might be in the middle of which is the ordeal um and what the ordeal is basically asking you is what was one big big obstacle that you had to overcome to be where you're at today but it sounds like the big obstacle and and correct me if i'm wrong is the job thing and the coronavirus and all this stuff coming at once that's kind of the big obstacle but the beauty of kind of about being there is that is where you get to like integrate all the experiences and lessons that you've learned from every other part of the journey and it's almost the final test before the clouds begin to part and the road opens up a little bit and then it transitions to the uh final three stages of everything after that Hmm. Yeah, that's, um, I hope that that's, I hope that that's correct. And I, um, I do think back onto the terror reading that you did the other day for me. And I, I don't know if you remember, but I asked you like, am I going to have a job this summer? And you said, yeah. And I think it's going to be really good for you. And I'm wondering like, what that's gonna be. I wonder if it's gonna be a new adventure for, um, I guess, my my creative side, you know what I mean? Or if it's going to be an actual engineering job, which I also get to be creative in. That's why I like it so much. Um, but I, I do feel that too. I do feel like, because I just choose to feel this way that this is all temporary that that there's like the like light at the end of the tunnel is getting a little bit closer you know my transition here to germany is um pretty much like done my motorcycle is going to be here next week my stuff is all here and my dad's motorcycle well he gave it to me but um it was my dad's motorcycle is going to be here next week all my stuff's here my cat's here um and, you know, the job is kind of the last thing. And despite all the things that have been so hard, despite losing my dad, like I still feel really happy and I still feel so optimistic that like something really, really, really great is going to come out of this. One of the things they say in the 12-step fellowship that I'm involved with is don't leave five minutes before the miracle. And honestly, I think the most, most of the problems that people have is because when they're in that ordeal part of everything, they either give up or they change their course because they don't want to weather out the storm. And I think like 95% of actually getting what you want in life is weathering out the storm and just like staying put and staying committed to what you want, yeah. despite how difficult it is. And then eventually, yeah. like law of averages even basically states, if you stick with something lo long enough, eventually it's going to change and you'll get the result. <laughs> like that's yeah, basic. It's just the way the odds work, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that's like 90% of business, I feel like too, even is the exact yeah. same way. Same thing with the job. If you put in enough applications, enough times and show up enough, you're going to get a job. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I don't even feel like giving up isn't even an option at this point. Like it's just not, it's not in the cards, right? Yeah. It's not in the tarot cards. It's not in any cards. It's, um, it's just not like, it's not any option at all. Like I can't, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I think that's one of the funniest things too, right? Because the, Ability to choose what you don't want and have to live with the regret of all of that for the rest of your life. Energetically, it's potentially more effort than it would be to continue to go through it until you get the results that you want. But people are looking for that instant gratification longer than mm -hmm. rather than the long-term reward of stuff. So they go for that temporary ease of suffering, which has long-term pain rather yeah. than going for the short-term pain for the long-term reward. It's weird how that works, but that's been my experience um, from living yeah. that way and then from looking at how other people and the choices they make. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that that is exactly like, I mean, it's working towards what you want. And, and I don't think that there's any one person in the world that's blessed enough to do everything just 
be so great in their life and they never had to go through struggle to have it. I mean, you could, you could look at, okay, some people think that everyone who's got a lot of money is happy and some people were just handed that money, but I don't know. I think to have like the real satisfaction, that real true fulfillment, um, it requires a lot of, it requires work. Maybe that work is enjoyable. Maybe it's hard. Maybe it, maybe you have to suffer. Um, mm-hmm. My, I guess, I feel like cliche calling it a spiritual awakening, but I do truly believe that that's what it was. Um, came with a lot, and I, I'm pretty sure I've shared this. I'm not going to get into it, but I'm pretty sure I've shared the story with you about um, Troy, who I moved to Florida with. Um, and all the problems that that was one of the other biggest struggles in my life. Um, but I'm so glad it happened because I learned so, so, so much. It's like going to school. You go to school and it's hard and you study, but then you've got so much knowledge and your brain functions better. And you're just, and you become, you know, well-rounded when you teach yourself things mm-hmm. so you know yeah i definitely think that suffering um actually has a reward and that's why so many people kind of stay stuck because they go for that again the comfort of a situation and yeah. there's a whole saying your comfort zone will kill you yeah but alan watts had this great quote and i'm just going to paraphrase it because i don't remember it but essentially is your ability to experience joy is equal to your ability to experience suffering and unless you've kind of gone through a lot of stuff you can never have the deeper level of uh joy and then also Mm. if you've never really gone through anything on a deep level you can't really have gratitude and gratitude is such a powerful emotion and powerful action too because i should underline this gratitude's an action word. It's easy to say you're grateful, but actually showing it and how you show up to life is completely different. But when you begin to embody that, in my personal experience, life literally changes exponentially. And it doesn't mean that it's always going to be sunshines and rainbows. But when you understand that you fundamentally have the wherewithal within you to overcome some of the most unpleasant circumstances that will send John Q. Public running, that's fucking liberating (laughs) and like nobody can take that gift from you. And it's like you said, it's an education and education in how to live. um, There's no price tag on that. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. uh, That's, that's a very good point. I like the way you put that or um, whoever I guess originally put it that way is yeah. Like having, having that deep gratitude does come from, I don't want to say deep suffering, but pain, like it comes from pain and yeah, that really, really resonates. (laughs) It's hard to even like describe because, um, yeah. How do you feel? How do you, it's, I guess the same reason that someone can love and hate someone at the same time. Um, I had a friend who used to say you can never, uh, you can never truly love a place until you have something that you hate about it too. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, that really resonates with me. Yeah. And I would say that I suffering might not be necessary, but I think that like one of the key reasons is why it's necessary in our culture now is because of how we're raised to kind of have uh, instant gratification culture and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I would say that if people were raised, raised in a more emotionally intelligent way and were taught how to actually be present with their emotions from youth to adulthood, that it might be different. But because we compartmentalize so much of our lives and live with masks on, it's very difficult to have authentic experiences and truly mm-hmm. like have life be as it is. So I think it's more painful because you have to go back out and suck a lot of that like infection from disconnecting from life for so long out. That's just my experience and perspective. Hmm. Yeah. I, it, it makes me curious why, you know, we as humans, even though we, we enjoy so we're programmed, right, to make everything easy. We want everything in our life to be easier, and that's why technology 
if we choose to do that. Can you hear me? Am I still okay? You yeah, yeah, um, no, you're good now. Okay, yeah. So we, but we as humans are also the ones creating all of these simplicities in life, which are actually have a really high potential to, um, I guess, destroy our emotional intelligence completely and spiral people into a lot of really, really deep problems that are going to be hard to get out of, especially uh, as adults. And to me, it's interesting that we are the creators of that ourselves. Yet it's not, it's something that could be such a useful tool, but it's so, uh, it's a yin and a yang, right? It's extremely, extremely powerful, that instant gratification with the social media. Um, it can destroy us, but it, it's also connecting us. Mm -hmm. It goes into the basic premise of everything kind of has that potential for great good or great evil, but it's how you use it. And I think mm -hmm. that one of the key things that we have to remember is being conscious of the choices that we're making. Um, again, one of the things that they talk about in recovery is we thought that there was an easier, softer way, essentially, but ultimately you have to show up and do the work. And again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing that too. But in my experience, if I go for the easier way, typically, it tends to lead me to um, unnecessary pain and suffering. And it goes into that whole thing that I said earlier, right? Like mm. there's that instant gratification, but long-term difficulty versus short-term difficulty but long-term benefit like yeah this is the last thing i'll say and then i think we should wrap it up so we can kind of save this other stuff for um another conversation to see like to touch it base with you again but mm -hmm. like step work for example step work was me going back through all of the, the crap that i've lived in my life all the wrong things that i've done to other people all the wrong that's been done to me process it evaluate it let go of it in order to move forward. Um, and it was a, a bunch of work and it was really unpleasant to have to have that level of authenticity and honesty with myself. But at the same time, my life has exponentially changed and like, I can't, there's no way that I can revert back to like that, that space again, I would say, hmm. um, of where I was at. So there was a complete change of character as a result of it. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that much about the, um, I guess the step programs, but I, I find it so incredible that it's even possible to get out of a place like that um, without the things that you, I guess, naturally would want to lean on or the things that you would have wanted to lean on back then. On I, I don't know what it was that you were taking, but you were able to, like people have trouble being them, being authentic to themselves and, doing those kind of processes without drug dependence um, and being able to do that uh, through a drug dependence and um, working past it. And uh, I just, I just find it. Um, I don't even, I don't even have words for it. It's really incredible though. I think it goes into like one of the key points that we had talked about though. It's the level of suffering, right? So that level of suffering was the catalyst for great change. And that's honestly why I think mm. most people don't have the ability to go through that because they don't have the definitive reason to actually do it. Like I think most people could benefit from that. But for me, the unmanageability of my life was so apparent that I knew that I needed to do something different. Most people are actually so comfortable. They're at like a, a level of comfortable numbness where they don't ever have to actually evaluate their own choices or how they're like their level of unconsciousness of their behavior. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. actually a great detriment to them where like yeah. drug addiction and, and completely ruining my life was like one of the greatest <laughs> blessings I, I ever had, <laughs> which is it's sick to some people to say probably, but it was like a, a really good thing that happened for me to completely ruin my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it, it's like hitting rock bottom, I guess. I don't know if that, if that's how you would phrase it, but um, like hitting rock bottom was ended up being a blessing. Yeah, I mean, um, in tarot, and, it's the tower card. Hmm. It's, that's what rock bottom is? In my mind, yeah, because this is a completely different tangent. But so in tarot, you have the <laughs> devil card. The devil card is all about addiction and bondage and being wrapped up to an ideal. Then right after that, you actually have the tower card, and it is about this uh, momentary flash that kind of 
crumbles the whole foundation of your belief structure. And then it kind of opens up your mind to a new potential. And then you transition into the star card, which is about this light in the darkness that leads you out of that dark place. Hmm. I, I'm, I am curious. I want to, I want to ask you a question. Is How were you able to see the light of, so, so you were in a really dark place. Maybe there was nowhere to go, but up, but how were you able to continue pursuing that? without even knowing what it, what it would feel like and how great it would be. Um, honestly, the last day that I used, I can remember this moment. Uh, I was out on my mom's porch and I was drinking my last beer. I was crying uh, because I honestly felt like I was going to end up dead in jail or in the psych ward. If I, if I did like one more after this and I can remember being afraid of changing, but being more afraid of staying the same. Cause I had looked at all the results of that like this feeling in the pit of my stomach. So I was pretty much like, no matter what it is, can't be worse than what it is. And then I'm like, drugs and alcohol and all that shit will always be there anyhow. So even if it's the wrong decision, I can always go back if I want to. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny that you looked at it that way. But um, yeah. It's, and how many years is it now? It's, I'll have four years, September 2nd of this year. Wow. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm curious to see where everything else goes with you. I, I don't want to lead you on too much um, into the next part of the hero's journey. But <laughs> after, after the ordeal, you actually get the reward, too. Uh, this is like the game show portion. So when we have you on next time, we'll kind of see like what, what your rewards were and what you won. Tell us what she's won, Bob. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you need a little soundtrack for the, for this part. <laughs> next but time. we'll actually, we'll go through the last couple of steps. So after you have the reward, you have the road back and the road back is actually in my experience and understanding it's this moment where you look back and see how all the pieces in your life actually played a key role in developing your story and how important and necessary they all were. And while you can understand it from some level where you're at now, it's going to be completely different after you make it through the ordeal. Like yeah. at least it was for me after that, okay. then you have the resurrection of the hero. The resurrection of the hero is actually, let me ask you this. Do you ever, did you feel like you were kind of, you've become a different person throughout this whole journey that you've been on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So resurrection of the hero in my personal experience and in my understanding is there's going to be a moment where you under, like you reconnect with young Vanessa on a different mm -hmm. level and you kind of reharmonize your spirit in a big way. It's again, it's kind of odd, but really cool. <laughs> And then once you do that, you end up at the final stage, which is called the return with the elixir. And the return with the elixir is, I want to say it's kind of the completion of the alchemical process and it will literally change how you show up to life. It'll completely change like your energy or how you show up into a room or like how you are. And it sounds like a bunch of metaphysical bullshit. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that you'll have that experience too. And it's, mm. I don't know. That's the, that's the only way I can describe I, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I believe in metaphysical bullshit. So, um, My whole life is built I'm on like, it. So <laughs> yeah, we're here for meta. We're here for metaphysical bullshit. Yeah. Um, well, I'm looking forward to that. I got to tell you. And yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, we'll be in touch. So you'll know, you, I'm sure you'll know when things take a turn. I don't want to even say take a turn, just, uh, you know, they'll keep going on the path that they're going. <laughs> yeah. Right. When they unfold, when the next chapter begins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When the next milestone is passed. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Vanessa. It's been really, really fun talking with you. Um, I look forward to the updates on everything as they occur. So keep me in the loop. And, uh, yeah. do you have any closing words for the people listening? Uh -huh. Nah.
Just shrug. I'm just I'm just gonna shrug. <laughs> just do that. And we will just end it with send something. <laughs> we end it with the shrug. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Phoenix podcast. Please leave a kind review wherever you're able to, and like Spiritual Phoenix Studios on Facebook. Stay blessed.